you would turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew 18, we're going to read just the first couple verses. I think the young people have already gone. Oh, we got a couple left. If the young people would like to go downstairs for Children's Church, you're welcome to do that now. Or, of course, you're welcome to stay up here as well. Some of you might be wondering, Pastor, what are you doing with your phone? I'm trying to record my messages to go on our church webpage on my phone. So I've got to turn on this microphone, I've got to turn on this speaker for the radio, and I've got to turn on my phone. And as I've told you, I'm not a good multitasker, amen? I'm really not. So it takes a large degree of concentration for me to get that done. Uh, Matthew 18, uh, we're going to look at the first six verses. You follow along silently as I read aloud. The scriptures tell us, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted." And become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore will humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea." Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Lord, we're thankful for this time together this morning, God. I pray now that you bless the reading of your word. I pray you'd fill me with your spirit, Lord. I pray you'd help me to communicate your word faithfully, effectively. Lord, I pray for the spiritual needs here this morning, Lord, that you would just meet them in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Let's just set the table, if we will, for where we're reading about. The Mount of Transfiguration, of course, is in the previous chapter We're probably in about the last six to seven months of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, It hasn't, uh, he's not super close to crucifixion, but I mean, he's he's within the last year. Exactly when, we don't know, but he's within the last year or so, all right? And he's been trying to get his disciples to understand this truth that, hey, I've come here to establish my church. I've come here uh, to establish the message of salvation. But the disciples are all hung up on the Old Testament prophecies of when someday the nation of Israel will be restored and they'll be the chief nation. Now, folks, this isn't a prophecy message, but the Bible does teach that's going to happen someday. The Bible teaches Jesus is going to come back physically, visibly. The whole world will see him. I'll bet when when, uh, the prophet said that, they all wondered, how in the world can all the world... See Jesus come back. But we don't wonder about that now, right? We can turn on the TV and see stuff on the other side of the world and not think a thing about it. But I'm sure when they prophesied that, they wondered, Lord, are you sure? Sort of like Ananias when God told him to talk to Saul of Tarsus. Lord, are you sure about this? You know you know who we're talking about. <laughs> Lord, are you sure? But he said that all the world's going to see it. He's going to destroy the forces of the Antichrist. He's going to set up his kingdom right there in Jerusalem. So the, the, the Bible teaches and the disciples the whole time of Jesus' ministry while they were honored to have been chosen by him, they certainly put their faith and trust in him. They believed who he was. There was only one of them that was in it for the money, and we know who that was. That was Judas. But the rest of them very sincerely believed he was the Messiah. When you read that phrase, Messiah, that means the anointed one. He was the one that fulfilled the prophecy that someday a descendant of David would sit on the throne forever. They thought that was when it was going to start. So, since they were his closest followers, right? They were the inner circle. 
discussions came up quite often as to when Jesus set up his throne, who got to have their throne next to Jesus? Now, I know you, you probably never have issues like this at your house, but I can remember as a kid, and I can remember as a dad, and I can I find finding out now as a grandfather, sometimes who sits where can be a big issue. Amen? If you got a real comfortable chair, uh, for a while there, we, we recently got a couch. How a couch fits into a 1600s home, we got it hidden. Amen? We can pull the curtain and hide it if we want to. We recently got a couch in the recliner. And if I'm away from the house and I come home and the grandkids are there, guess what? They're in grandpa's seat. And I say, hey, kid, move. They look up at me like, Grandpa, how, how could you request that? Or how could you, you know, how could, but I mean, that's, that, you know, everybody wants the best seat, right? So they're talking about, hey, who's the best? And they've been having this discussion, who's going to be the greatest? So. Uh, before we get into that, though, I want to I set you where you are. So if you read in 17, we didn't have time to do that this morning. Read in chapter 17, Jesus has gone up to Capernaum, which was kind of the center of his ministry there in Galilee. We read about him being in Capernaum. And if you've ever had a chance to be at the Holy Land, you know that Peter's house was right there in Capernaum, too. He had a house in Capernaum. Because that's right on the, the, literally on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And the Bible tells us that he was entered into the house. Uh, one of my commentaries suggested that it was very likely Peter's house. They got down at the synagogue, and they walked just a short distance over. And the traditional site of where Peter's house folks is like for me to where my wife Teresa is sitting in, in, in the back hallway. That, that's about how far it is from where the, the, the synagogue in Capernaum is set up to the traditional site of, of, of uh, Peter's house there. Uh, but, or his mother-in-law's house. But anyway, he's coming into the house, and the Bible says the question comes up. Who's going to be the greatest? Now, the, isn't it funny how we argue about stuff like this all the time? When my kids were young, and they got old enough to be interested in such things, and we were watching basketball together, because that was the, the, probably the main sport at our house, uh, they always talked about Michael Jordan. And of course, you know what their dad told them. Michael Jordan's nothing. You should have seen Dr. J, amen? <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, Dr. J, boy, well, I, I watched Dr. J as a kid. I mean, I'd be out in my driveway, Dr. G falls back for the shot. Dr. G drives the lane. You know, I was Dr. G. Uh, I never even got to basketball, but I, how, you know, I was a legend in my own mind. Amen? That's part, of, that's part of childlike faith. We'll talk about that in a minute. But nonetheless, they're arguing who gets to be the number two guy. We read another passage. In fact, I think it's the same gospel, Matthew. Uh, if not, you know, it's one of those three synoptics where James and John actually send their mom. I mean, that's bad enough when you go ask her, you send your mom. Well, no one's going to say no to mom, right? They send their mom and say, I've got a favor to ask. When you set up your kingdom, can you set up so that my sons, one's on the right hand and one's on the left hand of your throne? I mean, this, this was a big, big thing among them. So they've got this, this big discussion going, well, I think I should, well, I think I should, well, I can see how maybe you should be more than me, but I mean, I should be up there somewhere. They're all trying to figure out where do they fit in. And folks, isn't that just like human nature? Where do we fit in? How do things work out in the pecking order, so to speak? How, what, what is our level at the plant? You know, how, how many years of seniority does this person have? I mean, I mean, we we have all kinds of systems, all kinds of things down for figure. What is what is your rank? You know, I don't have to listen to you. I'm above your rank. You know, you don't have any. I mean, what, we 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 got all kinds of things for doing this, and that's the big discussion. Who is the greatest? 
Man, I want you to notice real carefully in the next few verses how Jesus taught him. The Bible says he called unto him a little child. One of my commentaries said it's not unlikely that this may have been one of Peter's children. I said, Peter's children? The Bible doesn't talk about Peter having children. Well, the Bible talks about Peter having a mother-in-law. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9 talks about Peter traveling with his wife as he ministered to people. So, in number one, if he had a mother-in-law, he was married. Amen. If he had a wife, he was married. And if he had a wife, it's very likely he had children. Well, the Bible never specifically says that. I know the Bible never specifically says Peter went to the bathroom either, but I'm pretty sure he did at some course in his life. You know, just because every little detail isn't in there, that doesn't mean that you can't read between the lines a little bit. Okay, we're not trying to change doctrine; we're just pointing something out. But if they're in Peter's house and there's a kid there, chances are that kid may have been related to Peter somehow, or he could have been one of the other disciples' kids that came by the visit. Who knows? But Jesus calls unto him a little child. And puts him right in the middle of it. Now, folks, when we think about kids, I mean, you know, but I, I don't know about you. I enjoy spending time with kids. I know sometimes if people say, well, as you get older, it gets harder. Uh, I think that's why the Lord causes your hearing to go bad. Amen? Because then it's not quite as, it's not quite as bad, I suppose. But uh, I, I really do enjoy spending time with kids. I enjoy that there are just certain qualities of children that you just have to appreciate. You know, their innocence. In Bible school all week, we have a contest between the boys and the girls. And, of course, my daughter, Andrea, is the, the captain of the girls' team, and Mike is the captain of the boys' team. Years ago, it was me versus my wife. And, but uh, now that we're, we've grown up, we've been promoted. You know, I was just the conductor. I wasn't one of the engineers. Uh, but anyway, I joke with the kids all the time. Because during this contest, we tell them the loser of the contest is going to have the winning captain put a pie in their face. And so I, years ago, I started joking. Until just now, when the boys said the most memory verses, that pie was heading towards Mike. But now, folks, it just turned in the air. And now, since they won the Bible contest, it's heading back towards the other captain. I was with my granddaughter, Claire, the other day. And uh, I think it was on Wednesday morning. She says, Papa, did you notice last night? That pie was going right towards Aunt Andrea. And she held up her hand, just like me. She says, but then it turned. <laughs> And now it's going to Uncle Mike. <laughs> you gotta just, you gotta just love the, 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 the kid's innocence. You gotta love, you gotta, you know, it's an interesting thing. Over in uh, 1 Corinthians 14, Peter, or Paul is writing to the church of Corinth. He says, hey, listen, when it comes to understanding, I want you to be like a grown person. Be ye men. But then he adds a little phrase there. But when it comes to malice, be as children. But in understanding, be as men. I thought that's an interesting thing. You know, you know how kids are. Kids, they're out on the playground. You know, they're duking it out over the last army man or who won at marbles or who took their turn on the swing. And the next minute, they're, they're, they're blood brothers again, right? They're walking along arm in arm. It's all forgotten. Because they, they, they don't harbor those grudges. They don't, they don't carry those things around with them. You know, things happen. Yeah, there's a scene and there's a problem. But they get past it pretty quick and they're moving right on to the next thing, uh, you know, that, that, that's going on. And so Jesus says this little child in this himself, except ye be, notice this word, converted, and become as a little child, ye cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. And they got me thinking, I'm not a Greek guy, okay? I have a program on my computer, I have dictionaries on my shelves, amen? And it reminded me of a verse. You remember the verse where Jesus tells Peter, Peter tells Jesus, I won't deny you, I'll go to the death for you, and... and Jesus looks at Peter, I think it's in the Gospel of Luke, he says, Peter, Peter. 
Satan hath desired to sift thee like wheat. He says, but I'm praying for you. And when you're converted, I want you to go and, and, and teach the brethren, strengthen the brethren, I think he says. And I thought, wow, I wonder if that converted there is the same as the word used for converted in Luke. Guess what I found out? It's not the same word. It's not the same word. The word that's used in Luke is the same Greek word every other time the word converted comes out. And it means to, to turn about, uh, to change. But the word converted here means to twist around. And it said it was based on, I looked at another word, and basically what it's saying is, you've got to quit thinking, you've got to quit reasoning, you've got to quit looking at the world like an adult looks at the world, spiritual things, let's say, okay? You've got to quit looking at faith like an adult looks at faith, and you've got to become childlike in your thinking. You've got to, to go back. Years ago, there was a there was a movie, and I, I hate to even bring up a movie in a sermon, uh, but it really illustrates this point about And some of you may have seen the movie, some of you didn't. And the movie was called Big. Tom Hanks played the lead role. There's a couple of kids. They were at some you know arcade, and the one kid was ticked off because he couldn't do some of the stuff the other older kids were doing. And he went to this uh, arcade fortune telling machine. He made a wish. I wish I was big. The next morning, he wakes up. He has the body. He is, the, he is now the Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is playing his character. You know, he's a guy that appears to be in his you know mid twenties. I think he was at the time. The problem is, in his mind, he was still an eight-year-old kid. And he gets a job, and he's interacting with people, and some woman you know falls in love with him, and he's like, he's not into that at all because you know he's, he hasn't reached that age where girls are interesting yet. You know, he's, he's kind of like, well, I don't mind if we hang out, man. You know. <laughs> And, and over and over, finally gets to the point where he misses his family, and he goes back to the place, and, and he wishes that he could be small again, and sure enough, his, his wish is granted, and he becomes a little kid again and goes back. But here's the thing that I want you to get from this. That character that, in his mind, he was a child. Now I want you just to think for a minute, what is it about a child? You know, if I put my grandson Gabriel up on the communion table, I said, Gabriel, jump off to Grandpa. Gabriel, jump off. He would jump off. But now if I put Marshall Kirshner up on the communion table, <laughs> after I got out of the hospital from the hernia surgery, <laughs> and I said, Marshall, jump off, and I'll catch you. Marshall said, like, I don't, I just don't think you can do it. And you get four or five other guys, maybe, get one of those big things like the fire department, well, our fire department doesn't have one, but you know, like you see on the move. I mean, what, why is that? Why is it kids? Uh, the other day, we were out at the playground with the kids. and Hey, watch me. Watch me jump. Boy, my, my wife is getting to the point where she hates to hear the words, watch me. Or, watch this. Amen? Because they all got to outdo each other, right? And, uh, and, and Ethan's swinging away. And then Ethan comes up. Man, he comes up. The swing was this high off the, off the ground. Man, he bails out of that thing. Lands out and says, boom. My wife's over there, you know, going into eighth. You know, I'm down the middle of one, you know, looking for the panelists. Clear, you know. She's, boy, didn't think a thing about that. You know, kids don't know about gravity, amen? <laughs> kids don't know about growth. Why is that? Because of that innocence. Because they haven't reached that point in life where people and other folks have let them down. They're not, kids, kids it's very interesting. Kids are generally very, very sharing with people at the, I, I see this on my bus all the time. Some kid brings something for breakfast, 
man, that's like, you know, flies, you know, gathering around. Can I hit some? Can I hit I'll be your friend. You know, famous words. We all heard it on the playground. Yeah, if you give me a piece of gum, I'll be your friend. Until lunchtime, if somebody else has got something better to trade me, then you're out, you know. But, I mean, that's just, oh, yeah, man, they're passing out. Like, hey, isn't that your breakfast? I've told them a couple times, get away from them. Leave them alone. They'll sit down. And when I look back down, I see them coming. Like, Why is that? You know, think back when you were a kid. I don't know about you, but when I went to bed at night, I don't ever remember laying there thinking, man, I hope there's enough food for tomorrow. And I hope I don't have Unfortunately, there are kids in this world that probably do experience that, but I will tell you that that was not my experience growing up. I don't ever remember laying my head down on my pillow thinking, man, I just don't know how I'm going to make that mortgage payment this month. Kids don't think about mortgage payments. <coughs> Kids don't think about utilities. I told you the story lots of times. When I was a kid, I got a pair of combat boots that I was convinced could be worn anywhere, anytime, any place. I'd wear them all winter long. They weren't insulated. It's just leather. They're just basically high top leather shoes. Amen. And man, I'd trunch through the snow and, and fall through the ice and stomp in puddles and get home. And man, they'd be soaking wet. But I figured something out. If you put them right in front of the register and you went to this dial on the wall, you could turn that dial up. And some boot warmer. Man, dry my boots up. My dad came home from work one night, and he's like, hey, who's been touching the thermostat? Because our house, the rule was, the thermostat doesn't come on until November. You just wear clothes until November. You know, and April 30th, man, that's back off again. You know, that's it. And, and here I got the thermostat. I don't know what I, I don't even know what the number. I wasn't paying attention to the numbers. I turned it on until I felt the, the warm air coming up to dry out my combat boots. Amen. And my dad says, son. You don't understand the cost of living. That cost, I said, Dad, it doesn't cost anything. You just turn it up. You just turn it up, the hot air comes out, Dad. You're going to find out. I, I did find out. I had people in my house who sometimes played with things, left electric blankets on and all that. But anyway, as a kid, you don't think about those things. Remember Jesus telling his followers, he says, hey, listen, don't worry about tomorrow. What you're going to eat, what you're going to wear. The sparrows don't plant anything, but I feed them. No one plants the lilies of the field. There they grow up in the grass. They're beautiful. <coughs> Even Solomon, with all his money, with all his wisdom, with all his trade connections, bringing silks and, 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 and textiles from all over the world, even Solomon wasn't as beautiful is my little, he says, listen, if I care about the sparrows, if I care about the, 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 the lilies of the field, don't you know how much more I care about you? Amen. But see, as kids, we don't worry about that stuff. You know why? We figure Dad will take care of it. Yeah. Hey, my friend, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, do you know who Dad is? Yeah. Dad is God Almighty. God Almighty. Now, I'm not suggesting you should quit your job and just wait for God to drop money, you know, into your living room to pay your bills. So we, God has told us, if any man won't work, neither shall he. We're responsible to, to work. We're responsible to take care. But at the same time, we're not supposed to be worrying or obsessing about that stuff. She said, hey, listen, except ye be converted, twisted back, turned back in time to that point 
where before you were planning on how you're going to get your next promotion, how am I going to get that next raise, how am I going to get that title of authority, how am I going to be able to do a, go back to that time when it was just, hey, boy, it'd be a fun day to ride my bike. <laughs> be a great day to go to the playground and swing on the swings. Be fun to go down to the beach, wade in the water, except ye be converted. You're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is Jesus saying here? What he's literally saying, folks, is you've got to not be relying on your own scheming and your own plans. Now, folks, the so-called religions, see those air quotes hanging in the air right there? The so-called religions of the world emphasize works. Pastor Mike, I've heard you preach that we better make sure that we're doing this and we're not doing this. Not to be saved, I have. Hey, God expects his kids to behave, amen? That's the sermon for another day. Hebrews 12 tells us that if you're a child of God, uh, God the Father will chastise you. Chastise? What does that mean? It doesn't mean time out, amen? <laughs> it means spank. Is in every son whom the Father loveth is chastised at some point or another. But here's the thing, folks. We, we need to realize that when it comes to our salvation, what is it that's getting us to heaven? The only thing that can get us to heaven, folks, is putting our faith and trust in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And any church, any religion, any movement, whatever, that teaches something different, folks, is teaching you something different than what the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching. A child is reliant. A child is incapable of providing for themselves. Shoot, a newborn baby can't even feed itself. Children are some of the most helpless creatures on this earth. What's Jill say? Like taking candy from a baby. Why is it? You go up to a little kid asking for the chances are they'll give it to you. Except ye be converted. You gotta change your thinking. You're thinking you've earned this. You're thinking you deserve this. You're thinking, well, I was born in such and such family, or well, I'm, I'm such and such particular race. By the way, it all started with Adam. Amen. And it all started again with Noah. Got news for you. My scientific DNA proves we all come from the same two ancestors. So don't, don't, don't get all riled up about that race stuff. Or, or because I have a certain tradition. She said, no, no. You've got to be converted. You've got to have a change in your thinking. Now that's the first point I want you to see, folks. What is it you're depending on to get you to heaven. If you're depending on a trip through the baptism, hey, listen, once you're saved, the Bible teaches you how to follow the Lord and Beaver's baptism. But baptism doesn't save you. If you're depending on church membership, hey, the Bible teaches once you're saved, you ought to be faithful in church. You ought to be under the teaching and preaching of the word. But folks, going to church won't save you. Hey, the Bible teaches you ought to support the Lord's work. You ought to support missionaries around the world trying to bring the gospel to other nations to fulfill the Great Commission. But giving money won't save you. The price of our redemption wasn't something corruptible, Peter writes, like silver and gold, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's the only way to heaven. Boy, we shared that every night this week with these young people as they were out for Bible school. You got to be converted. You got to you got to 
get into your thinking. Now, I want you to notice the very next verse. Verse 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, the next thing Jesus is teaching here, number one, he's teaching to be saved, you've got to be entirely reliant upon the Lord. Now he's teaching, once you are saved, do you want to be great in the sight of God? Humble yourself. Hey, that's hard to do. That goes against our way of thinking. Years ago, I ran into a guy. He had just become uh, uh, the, the band teacher in one of the school districts in town. And I had read an article. I would met him once or twice before. I would read an article in the paper about what a great job his band was doing. I said, hey, hey, I just want to let you know. I read, I read that article about what a great job you're doing. I just wanted to tell you, man, good job. Congratulations. He said, well, he said, the truth is, I wrote the article. <laughs> Uh, oh, <laughs> well, that, that kind of puts it in a different light. <laughs> I heard a guy say one time, he that tooteth not his own horn shall not sound forth a toot. Amen. You got it. You got it. The, the world's way of thinking is you got to get your name out there. You got to make sure people know what you bring to the table. You got to be, you got to be, but the Bible says, humble yourself. Have you ever given any real serious thought to the circumstances of Jesus' life in the 33 years he was here. Folks, here he is, the Son of God, God in the flesh, the Creator. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Man, I wish I could do that. Don't you wish you could do that, honey? Let the laundry be done, and it was done. <laughs> let the dishes be washed, and they were clean. Man, what, let the snow be shoveled, and it was what, wouldn't it, Man, wouldn't that be? Let the grass, man, boy, we could all go on that. I just better get off that. Six days he created this world. When the wise men, when the star faded out and they didn't see it for a while, where did they go looking for him, folks? Did they go to a barn? Now, I don't hear that very often. Not when I was a kid, that was a common. What's the matter with you? You're born in a barn? Close the door! Now, I don't hear kids saying that much anymore, so that's, that doesn't show barns. Or, I guess I got to say that where you're born in a pole barn or born in a machine shed. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> close the door. You're born in a barn? Hey, my Lord and Savior was born in a manger. A trough used to feed animals. Can you imagine going to the maternity ward of a hospital? And here a woman gives birth and they take her in and they she get out of the way. Okay, uh, that looks good. Say, Pastor Mike, they shut that hospital down. They fire that doctor. They clear out that, 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 that delivery ward, man. They say, no way can you do that. Have you ever thought about the circumstances of his birth? You know, Jesus could have chosen any family to be born into, folks. Here's Joseph and Mary. They can't even afford a lamb when they dedicate him when he's 40 years old. Read the Old Testament law. Your firstborn male, at 40 days, you bring him to the temple with a lamb, but if they can't afford the lamb, then that's okay. Bring him from the You know what offering Mary and Joseph brought? Brought her lamb. By the way, that's another reason to believe the wise men had not showed up quite yet. Don't throw away your wise men. Amen. That's okay. Keep them. I'm not. I'm just trying to share with you 
we get mixed up with tradition and what the Bible actually teaches. If they had a bag of gold from the wise men, they could have come up with a lamp pretty easy. Yeah. They brought a turtle dove. They were just humble, humble people. You didn't read about Jesus on the front page of the, of the Jerusalem Times. The Son of God is now age 12. The whole city is turning out to celebrate the coming king. No, that's not what happened. Oh, he, he had a few doctors wondering what was going on. But he was visiting with them in the temple. Amen. But then he went back home and was subject to his parents. And we know nothing about him until he turned 30 years old. But you and I get discouraged if we do something for the Lord and nobody notices and gives us a pat on the back. You and I feel like nobody cares if we're not constantly... Now, folks, listen. I'm flesh and blood. I'm human just like you. Do I appreciate it when folks say, hey, Pastor, I just want you to know it. Yeah, I, but you know what? We ought to be able, we ought to be able to continue on serving the Lord whether we get that or not. What Ask yourself, folks, what recognition did Jesus get? What was the most widely recognized event of his life? The triumphal entry? Three or four days? Oh, not a week. I guess a week before he was crucified. Hosanna, son of David. Glory to God in the highest. Save now. You want to be great? Humble yourself. Do the stuff that other people that didn't want to Hey, listen, I'll, 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 I'll work, but hey, I, I, don't ask me to do that. That's where I draw the line. You know, folks, I don't draw the line anymore. I'm sorry, you know what that sounded proud saying? I'm just talking. What is it God needs you to do? You want to be great? Humble yourself. Quit thinking you're all that in a bag. I know, I know. What has society been telling you for the past 30, 40 years? Self-esteem. You've got to love yourself before you can love others. You've got to take care of number one. And ladies, we all know you're worth it. Amen? And I mean, hell, we got if you buy a Bugle Boy jeans, some good-looking woman in a sports car is going to pull over and say, hey, those are Bugle Boy jeans. I mean, we, we bought into all this garbage. And the Bible says, hey, if you want to be great in the sight of God, humble yourself. Amen. I suspect that could be why Jesus talked so highly of John the Baptist. Wearing camel fur clothes, skinned up. I don't know if John found some dead camel on the side of the road and <laughs> skinned him out and said, yeah, okay, this looks pretty good. <laughs> Talk about thrifting, Andrea, man. <laughs> dipping, they say the locusts could have been bugs, it could have been a type of flower, whatever. What, you dip a big locust into some honey and bite the head off and repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Say, man, no one of those scribes and Pharisees looked down their nose. No, they looked down their noses because they weren't home. And Jesus is very clear. They weren't his followers anymore. Some of them did, praise the Lord. But most of them stuck with their traditions. Most, most of them stuck with what everybody else thought was important. If you want to be great, you've got to be humble. Now, let's move on to our next point. Okay? First point, if you're going to be saved, what do you got to do? You got to be converted. You got to think like, you got to have faith like a child. Hey, you tell a child, you're taking them fishing. What did you better do? You better take them fishing because they're just expecting it. Hey, you told me you're going to do it. You're going to do it. Faith like a child. Second thing, humble yourself. Look at verse 5. Whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. 
Jesus says, when we minister to other believers, hey, listen, Calvary Baptist Church, thank you for supporting Bible school. We ministered to 62 little ones this past week. And they might not be thought of as important in the scheme of things here in, in Huron County. They might not be thought of as important in the, in the great state of Michigan. But you know what? They're important to God. And Jesus said, when you minister to a little one, you're doing it to me. Hey, but not only that, folks, look at the next verse. It works both ways. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Do you remember what Jesus said to Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9 when Saul was entering into Damascus? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Has Saul ever done anything to Jesus? Not that we're aware of. He was present at the stoning of Stephen. He was wreaking havoc on the church. He was arresting Christians. He was breaking into houses and hauling people out and taking them to jail. He had letters of authority to go. He had, uh, our, our, I guess, our idea of like a warrant, you know, uh, authorization to go to the city of Damascus and to arrest more people. And Jesus said, Saul, why are you doing this to me? Saul lost his physical sight, but folks, Saul gained some spiritual sight that day. How ought we to treat each other as believers, folks? Well, Pastor Mike, if Jesus was at my house, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I, man, he'd have the best seat, he'd have the best of everything, we, we'd do everything. But, Some person shows up we don't like very well, we make sure they get a chair that reminds us of one of the pastor's house in the 1600 chairs. They want to sit there, you know, maybe they won't stay long. <laughs> and they'll be out of here quick. You know, we look, we dig in the freezer. Where's that? Okay, here's something wrapped up in foil. No data. That's good enough. <laughs> you can feed that to them. I mean, hey, listen, folks. What are we thinking? The way we treat other believers. Well, Pastor Mike, he says little ones. He's talking about children. You forgot. We're supposed to humble ourselves and take on the thinking of a little one and not be arguing with each other about who's the best, who's the smartest, who's the most valuable, who, who's got the best testimony. And we're supposed to be working together for the cause of the kingdom. Because if we offend... When we're hurting fellow Christians, hey, you know, there's, there's people, I, I suspect there's probably people that have put, I, I know, have suspected, I know it for a fact, I talk to them all the time, I used to go to church, but such and such said something about me, and it hurt my feelings, and I just I just can't get myself to go. Did you read what Jesus said? Hey, if you got a, if you got a Bible with the words of Christ in red, what color ink is that, folks? That's red ink. Whoso shall offend one of these little ones is better for them than a millstone. Oh, Pastor Mike, I've seen that. You know, those millstones, the women would put the drain on there and they'd rub the millstone. Yeah, this millstone isn't one of those hand ones, folks. My John Wycliffe Bible commentary said the literal translation of the word is ass stone because it was a stone so large it was attached to a beast of burden who walked around in circles grinding grain big time. Now, you may pass the light card test with a little hand 
and swim to the top. My brother-in-law said he had to pick up a concrete block off the bottom of the pool and swim to the surface and tread water to get his lifeguard certification. But you ain't picking up a three or four hundred pound stone and swimming to the top. Pastor Mike, that is strong language. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write it. I'm just letting you know. We need, we, need, we need to be converted in our thinking, folks. We need to quit evaluating people and what we think is important. And, and, and we need to quit trying to find our... We just need to say, Lord, wherever you can use me, just plug me in. I just want you to use me. I just want you to use me. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? We're thankful for your word, Lord, how it speaks to our hearts, how convicting it is.